Every woman has a story. Every story matters. For so long, women have hidden from their stories when in fact they are the very thing that makes them shine. Welcome to the Ruby Slipper Women podcast. I am Rosie Nerney, your podcast host, mother of four, multi-million dollar direct sales business owner, truth bomb expert and domestic violence survivor. Join me and a wide range of inspiring women as we follow down the yellow brick road of life with growth challenges and ultimately discovering our ruby slippers and coming home to ourselves. All the power you need is within you. It always has been. You just had to find it for yourself. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Ruby Slipper Women podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I am really excited to introduce you to our guest today. Her name is Nikki Shash. Nikki is the founder of My Muse, an inspirational speaker, inspirational adventurer, and the finalist of Blackmore's Women and Wellness Awards 2019. Nikki has quite the journey that has now led her to setting up a social enterprise that aims to help others in ways she could not find. Nikki has been directly affected by numerous people close to her diagnosed with cancer. However, several years ago, Nikki found that three of her best friends developed cancer. Her best friend and soulmate was diagnosed with osteosarcoma. And in a journey you will learn more about through this talk, years of learning and growth led her to founding this social enterprise to help others in ways she could not find. So welcome, Nikki. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and be interviewed and share your story with the Ruby Slipper Women community. Thanks for having me, Rosie. So can you share with us a little bit about you and your journey and what what Kansas looked like to you? So I spoke to you before about the concept of Kansas being where we're living in default, where we're sort of like coasting through life, we're living that default, but there's just kind of like something in us, even though we're checking all the boxes, we're just like, why do I not feel fulfilled yet? Why am I not hitting all those happy peaks that you're supposed to hit when you check these boxes? So I refer to that as default life or Kansas life. So what was that like for you? Yeah, so my Kansas life, like I guess I've had a a bit of an interesting journey getting to where I am now. And I, uh, at the age of 15, left living with my parents in England. I'm originally from the UK and moved to America and went to a tennis academy. So I trained at a tennis academy for four years and um, played some pretty high level international tennis. And following that, I had a pretty bad knee injury and decided to go into a career in physiotherapy. Um, it kind of been one of my dreams at the time to be one of those sports physios that was running onto the field and, you know, massaging soccer players' legs or whatever. And I ended up uh, getting a job straight out of uni working for a rugby first team um, physio job. And it was, it was amazing. You know, at that time it was ticking all the boxes and I was just like, this is just, this is, this is the life. Like I've, I've just made it. Cheated. You know, yeah, I've got that dream job. And then a couple of years went by and I was like, well, now what? Like, you know, what do I do now? And I had, it it was pretty tough. Like I was spending all my evenings and all my weekends on tour with a team and I didn't really have much of a social life or much of a life whatsoever outside of working with a team. And um, 
I did this, I think it's probably what so many people in England do, but came over to Australia on holiday to come and visit one of my friends and had an amazing time. You know, it was February, the sun was shining, it was just mm-hmm. stunning and went back to England in, in the end of February and was having a little jog around Hyde Park and it was freezing. And I had that moment where I just stopped in the middle, you know, it was like the movie moment and just went, what am I doing here? Like, why, why am I here? And um, pretty much called my brother that day who I'm really close with and just went, I think I'm going to move to Australia. And this had never been anything that had been a subject in any conversation I'd <laughs> oh, had with him before. He's like, relocate across the other side of the world. What are you doing on the weekend? <laughs> exactly and he was just like where has this come from and you know a couple of months went by and I actually had had in my mind that I really wanted to do my master's um after finishing my physio degree and so I ended up applying to do my master's at Sydney Uni and got accepted and so yeah I I made the move and it was and still remember sitting in my one of my really good friend's kitchens and she had a massive world map um, at the time. And the map's actually different to what it is in Australia, I've found, because over here you guys put Australia in the middle of the map. Um, but in the UK, you've got England that's kind of like on the left-hand side all the way at the top and then you've got Australia that's all the way down at the bottom in the right. Yeah. So I said to my friend and I was just like, I'm actually moving to the arse of the world. And she was just like, well, if you're moving to New Zealand, then that would be even more so. And I was just like, I can't believe how far away I'm moving. And it was then that it actually clicked to me that what am I doing? Um, you know, then go, go a couple of years. I finished my master's, got a job in, in Sydney um, and moved, moved to Bondi, kept on living this typical British lifestyle in, in Australia. And, um, and then I, yeah, I, I got a job. I got approached by a recruitment company and they, they wanted to hire me to come and help them build their team. And so I ended up moving into that. And during that time, I was in a bar, randomly met um, one of my friend's friends who was obsessed with snowboarding, as, as was I. And we just clicked and got on super, super well. And it was pretty much from that day forward that we were inseparable at the hip. Um, you know, we became best friends, but we were just, we'd talk to each other every day. We'd see each other all the time. And, and he was male. And a lot of my friends found that so strange. They were like, is there something going on with you guys? And I'm like, no, we're just, we just get on so well. Mm. And, um, yeah. And then I moved to another company that, that headhunted me to go and work there, which was another recruitment agency. Um, and during that time, this person that was inseparable to me on my, on my hip, that's when, um, you know, my, my life was pretty, pretty smooth sailing. Like, you know, I had a good job. I was getting paid well, had a beautiful apartment, great friends. Um, I was healthy. And then I got a phone call when I was sat in the office one day from, from my best friend, Mike. And he called me and just said, Hey, they've just found out that I've got cancer. I've got osteosarcoma and I've got to go in for surgery tomorrow. And uh, that is when, literally you know that that was it was my Kansas that then turned upside down Mm, that's (laughs) a spinning house yeah 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 and and it felt after that phone call it felt like that spinning house just kept on going it was you know it was one gush of wind after the other and Mm. it was you know I've got cancer then it was I'm starting treatment then it was I might have to lose my leg um 
you know, I've got more treatment and, and it just kept on going. And during that whole time I was working full time, um, as well as being his carer and looking after him as well. Um, you know, so I'd be finishing work each day and then rushing over to hospital to take him dinner and sit with him. And it was my Kansas that literally turned upside down. <laughs> I think like a lot of people will be able to relate to that. I know it wasn't cancer, just I've had a similar situation in my life where, you know, everything literally from one day to the next gets turned upside down. And it's it's like I heard someone, oh, it was at an event I was at and they were talking about where you're just in the ocean and you've just got wave after wave after wave just toppling down on top of you and you can like take a breath and then you've just got to like hold it and wait until yeah. that wave settles and then you come up, you take another breath and another wave hits you. But, I mean, sooner or later it starts to settle. But, yeah, it's, it's intense. It's so intense when you're going through that. So that was your point where you were like, okay, I'm not in Kansas anymore. What does your yellow brick road journey look like? So my yellow brick, brick, brick road journey, um, I guess it looks that... I, I kept on, you know, wait, I kept, I kept on just swimming through those waves and just everything that was pummeling down on me. I just kept on going with it. And it was, it was just a struggle the whole time, but I was just like, there's nothing else that I can really do. You know, the thought of, I couldn't leave my job because I needed the financial security because there was no other money coming in. I couldn't move back with my parents because they lived in the UK. Um, I couldn't just live off my savings. So I had to keep on working. Um, but then I still obviously need it to be there for him and I want it to be there for him. Um, and during the time that he, during the time that he was actually in a little bit of a remission for a couple of months, um, we ended up becoming partners and, um, yeah, everything was amazing and everything was fantastic. And then suddenly there was another phone call and he called me and said that the cancer spread and he was now terminal. I guess my yellow brick road didn't really come until, unfortunately, Mike, Mike ended up passing away last January. Um, oh, I'm sorry. And, you know, it's, it's, it's strange because I, I talk about this story pretty much on a daily basis, but, you know, there's moments where it does, it really gets to me. And, mm. Yeah, it still, it still upsets me that he's not here. Um, but yeah, he passed away last January and it was when I rocked back into work. I took two weeks off work um, to, you know, for the funeral and then just to have some time out because I didn't really know how to cope with losing somebody so close to me. Um, and I went back to work and I was there the first day back after two weeks and I got pulled into, pulled into a boardroom um, after my first day. And it was just like, it's been two weeks now and we kind of thought you'd be back to normal. You're making other people in the office oh. feel uncomfortable. Oh no. <laughs> no. <gasps> wow. Yeah. What not to say. Um, mm. so, so it was then that I, I think I battled through it for a couple more weeks. Cause I was just, you're kind of in that state of shock of just going, I've just got to get through this. You know, I, I can't be looking for a new job right now. Like I've, I've just, yeah, had it's this complete, you're in trauma. Mm. Um, 
And then on top of all that, the place that I'd been renting for eight years, uh, the landlord decided that they wanted to move in. So I needed to move out of this place that was my home. And, you know, and I was just like, come oh, on. All at once. Like, yeah. Yeah. Everything to happen. It was just bashing me again and again and again. And, um, and then, I, yeah, the yellow brick road started when I was sat at a kitchen table uh, at one of my friend's houses. And she's just this amazing. She's got this great energy about her. And she's like, what do you want to do? And I just went, I don't know. Like, I actually, you know, I've been a physio and I really enjoyed that. But I don't really want to go back to it. Don't feel that I want to stay in recruitment because of everything that had gone on while, while Mike was sick and it just like, after a bit of a text in my mouth at times and she just went what do you love and I was just like I love helping people and that was the when I was at uni and I got asked questions um why I decided to do physio that was my that was my answer then so it kind of I did this big 360 of mm. just going I want to help people and then we just started to brainstorm how that would look um and during my time that Mike was really sick I just really found that the resources that are out there for younger cancer patients or carers um, or anyone in that working age, there just wasn't much out there. Um, and there just really wasn't a lot of support. And so I, we just sat there and we brainstormed and it, you know, it took a couple of months for me to start coming up with ideas. And then I pitched my idea to a group of ladies at a networking event that I got invited to and, they all just sat there and there were tears in most of the most of the ladies' eyes and they just went, You have to do this. You've got to start my muse. Like you have to do this. And yeah, and then that was it. I just went, okay. Um, I had a mutual agreement that I left the company that I was working for and that was really scary in itself. Um mm. deciding personally to take away that stability and you know, that financial backing and that income um and to just think okay do I just try and put all my eggs into this and see if it will work or do I do it as a side hustle I'm not very good at doing things as a side hustle I feel that if I'm going to do anything I need to do it wholeheartedly and put everything into it um and I also found that because of the type of work that I've now been doing it does take a lot of my energy uh and it's one of those things that you know one conversation that lasts an hour can actually drain me for the rest of the day because I'm hearing somebody's story of their cancer journey or what's happened to them and you know it, yeah I, I get I get absorbed into it you know I, I I become I am this authentic Nikki that I, I give it everything and I give it all of me still to this day I have friends just going why don't you just do it as a side thing why don't you just you know do it and do it on the weekends and have a full-time job but I'm kind of being quite stubborn about it yeah. <laughs> Just get, no. it's when you're when your heart's connected to something like that when you know that feeling that really it calls you yeah like it's yeah it's it's yeah. like I can't do something else that's cheating like I'd be cheating on my heart if I yeah. did that yeah. I'd be selling my soul um so I totally totally get you with what you're saying with that so tell us about My Muse and, and what it is and what you do. Sure. So My Muse are set up at the end of last year and what it's there to do is to bridge the gap um, between people that have cancer or carers and the workplace. 
So at the moment, there's, there's not really anything in place that if somebody gets diagnosed with cancer, whether it's an individual or their partner or a family member, um, the support within the workplace is just based on a one, uh, you know, a case by case basis. So it's based on the relationship that you have with that manager, probably based on how long you've been working there. Um, and there's nothing that is set in stone. There's nothing that is there as a supportive, um, as a supportive education piece. So with my muse, um, I, it's myself along with a team of consultants of psychologists, oncology specialists and HR managers and grievance counsellors. And we're able to go into different workplace settings. And depending on the situation that that that, that corporate is in, um, it could be that they've got somebody currently that has got cancer or it could be that they want to look at something as more of a proactive approach. And we do training workshops and education as to the conversations around cancer, but then also things to to expect, things that might come up, um, and the type of support that you can give those individuals, but then also the type of support that you can give the rest of your team. Because unfortunately, cancer, you know, is a dreaded disease for that individual, but it does affect so many people around them as Absolutely. well. Absolutely, bring up so many triggers for people as well. Um, and teams can end up becoming resentful. You know, if somebody's taking every morning off work to go to radiotherapy, if that communication's not not delivered to everyone within the team in a certain way, then people just start to get really pissed off. You know, they're like, why is this person coming late to work every day or not rocking up at all? Why am I having to do their work for them? Um, but being able to provide that support, but then also being able to provide advice and a little bit of a toolkit on things that you can say or things that you can do that might be able to help just gives people that ownership back where they just go oh I can actually help make a difference in this person's life um I felt that through my journey and through Mike's journey there were so many people that we lost along the way because they just they didn't know what to say so they actually just said nothing um mm. It was the worst thing. Like I, I talk about it and I've written quite a few blogs about it as well, where um, the isolation is just, is really, really crazy. I felt so isolated and there just weren't many people that I could talk to and people kind of either would brush it off and not really want to talk about it or they just ignore me. So you know, I'd have situations where my friends or people around me wouldn't even ask me how my weekend was because they were like, well, she's just been looking after a partner with cancer. Like, why would we ask her how her weekend was? Like, let's just not talk about it. Mm. And, you know, it was just like, well, I had a weekend as well. I went for a coffee with Mike and we went for lunch. You know, it was just, we still... It's that uncomfortable. People just don't know how to sit in uncomfortable, communicate with uncomfortable and just be, just be okay with it. Like mm -hmm. it's part of life. So really your workplace, when they were assholes to you and said those horrible <laughs> things when you came back um, from work, it's, it's really kind of been the a catalyst in what you're doing now. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Like, you know, and it wasn't just that one conversation. But yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. And, and yeah, they, they all were, they were all catalysts and even comments that, you know, friends or family members said along the way, all those parts were catalysts in, in me 
kind of really figuring out what my muse is all about. And, you know, even that journey in itself to, to go from, I'm sure that you've had this before where, you know, you've got your idea. And even I look back at my business plan that I did last year for my muse and I'm like, wow, this is so different to what I'm actually <laughs> doing now. But not, you know, there's bits of similarities, but I was just like, well, I was pretty naive back then as to, you know, what I thought was going to happen and how this is going to play out. Um, but I mean, but that, it, it's, you're still doing it though. Like that in yeah. itself is so powerful. Like, okay, this is the plan. I have the plan set 12 months later. Well, kind of only was on maybe 10 meters of that kilometer road, <laughs> but I'm still here. And it's still working and I've made, you know, even though it didn't follow the path that I expected it to then, but I'm still doing it because I'm committed to, to the cause and that in itself is like beautiful. Yeah. And I think that's the thing that when you do want to go and when you do want to follow your dreams, whatever they are, um, it's also understanding that sometimes you have to be a bit flexible with them. Mm. Uh, you know, it, like, it would be great if I was, you know, making millions of dollars now and stuff like that. But it's not the case. And I have had to be so flexible with the way that I've thought about things, the way that I've provided services and I'm just the way that my life is now as well. Like, you know, it's, it's completely different to what it was a year or a year and a half ago. Um, I'm, you know, now super conscious as to where my money's going and um, how much money I'm spending on groceries and stuff like that. Whereas before that was never really something that, that passed by me, but it is having that understanding that it, you know, it, it is going to take time and it is going to be, it is going to mean that you probably need to be a little bit flexible with your life and your expectations. But like you said, when it's something that, you know, is my, it's your dream or your calling, you just, you, you do, you keep on going with it. And you know, as much as it seems so strange that I, you know, I talk about, um, I talk about Mike and what happened to him and what happened to my life on a daily basis with my muse and talking to potential clients, you know, I wake up every day with a smile on my face and just know that I absolutely love what I'm doing. And I, I'm making difference to, to people's lives. That oh, The amount of people you would be impacting, not even just people that are going through cancer now, people that are going to have to have it, it will come up in the future. Um, but not even just around dealing with cancer, but dealing with uncomfortable anyway. Yeah. Like the skills that you are giving, particularly workplaces, it's just, it's such important work. You would know Brene Brown. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> did, you, did you go to Sydney and see her? I didn't know. No, I, but I've, yeah, I went and saw her and like everything you're saying, I'm just like, Oh my God, this is like Brene Brown stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah I've watched, I watched a Netflix um, documentary and I definitely, I've read a couple of her books and, and I've, you know, I read, gosh, I've, I've, I've read so many books now on, you know, businesses that have started up and biographies and stuff and really picked up some amazing things. But I can remember when I was, you know, just, I guess, dipping my toe in to go, do I do this? Do I, do I not? And I can remember uh, reading, and I can't remember what book it was, which is really frustrating, but somebody had written, um, if you don't, if you don't follow your own dreams, you only help somebody else follow theirs. Mm. And I can remember just sitting there at the time, just going, yeah, all I'm doing is helping my boss buy his Land Rover. And 
it just stuck with me. And I was just like, I'm not fulfilling my dreams. Like, yeah, you know, I've got money in the bank and stuff, but I'm not like, really, am I doing anything else towards what my end goal is and what I want to do? Um, and it's still something, you know, it's, it's written at the front of my notebook. And I, I see that quote every single day because it, you know, if you don't follow your own dreams, there's nobody that's going to do it for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about, I mean, like I can hear it. You're obviously very passionate about what you're doing. Um, (laughs) How did you get, like, when did you realize you had a pair of Ruby slippers and all you needed to do was click your heels and all the power that you needed to create what you wanted was within you because a lot of people outsource, right? They're, although they're sitting procrastinating thinking, if I do this course, if I talk to this person, if I read this book, blah, 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 they're just waiting for something external of them to be the thing that catapults them into, oh, now I know my purpose. Um, yeah. So, so what, what was that moment for you when you were like, I've got, I know that everything I need is within, to do what I want to do is within me. I think I realized that there's never going to be a perfect moment. There's never going to be a perfect moment for me to drop everything and to, for me to have started my muse. And I also felt that I could learn a lot of the skills along the way. Like it would be, you know, I could go off and do this course and do, you know, starting up a startup business course or whatever there is out there. But I did feel that all I was doing was, yes, I was building my knowledge, but I was also delaying the fact of starting up my own business. And everyone's different, but I'm also one of those people that is quite good at problem solving. So when I'm faced with a problem, that's when I'll just go, hmm, how do I deal with this? And so... Solutions focused, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and so... you know, I I could have gone on a course to build my own website or I could have got somebody to do it for me. But then there was those things of just like, well, then I have to pay somebody. And, and so I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to try and do this. Like if it goes terribly wrong, then whatever, I'll, I'll get somebody to do it then. And it took me time, but oh my gosh, when that website went live, I was so proud of myself. I was just like, I did this. This was me. And I think, it was, I, I just kept on having moments like that. But then for me, I felt that the most important thing was because I was starting my muse initially on my own. Um, I didn't have a co-founder or anything with me. I just needed to have a little bit of a tribe. I needed to have people around me that would push me or would back me and just say, you know, you can do this. Like, or mm. just hold me accountable. Um, to actually do stuff. And, and I feel that I've carried that through even now. I've got a couple of people, um, we all hold each other accountable for stuff. And we, we sit there, you know, like once a month and actually just go, okay, what are the three things we really need to achieve this month? And then the, ne- the following month, we'll go through them and make sure that we've ticked them off. And holding yourself accountable can be quite hard when you're doing it on your own because it's just like yourself to, to blame, but then you've only got yourself to push as well. And I think one thing that I've really found with, you know, starting a startup is that 
you have your days that are really great and you're up and then you have your days where you're really down. And initially I'd really beat myself up about it and just be like, Nope, I still need to be sat in front of my laptop and working. And you'd read these books saying that, you know, if you start up a business, you should only be sleeping four hours a night and, <laughs> and all this crazy stuff. And I can remember reading or listening to podcasts and things and just going, oh my God, I don't function if I get less than eight hours sleep. How am I going to do this? And I'm not working as hard as other people. So my muse isn't going to be successful. And then I just re I really just sat back and just looked within myself and I was there going, everybody's different, you know, and everybody has different reasons that they're doing. They're starting their own business or they're starting their own companies. And you know, I'm not starting a tech company where I want it to go from one to a hundred people in a year. And it's, I'm, I'm building something from scratch. I'm building something that is brand new. And so I have to, I have to give myself time and I have to give myself space. And so I've got to, I've got to, I, I've, I had to learn to be, to be kind to myself and be nice to myself, mm. um, which I, I, from talking to other women, a lot of women struggle with that. We're not very good at, yeah, we're, we're good at pushing ourselves and continuously pushing ourselves. But when it comes to giving ourselves a break, absolutely, we, you know, absolutely. we don't. We're our and, worst critic. Yeah, completely. And, and I think it is just finding your little tribe, whether it's one other person or a group of women or, you know, a group of women and men. Um, that can be your little, they can be your little cheer, like cheer group. Yeah, cheer squad. Yeah, totally. Yeah, squad. Totally. I, it's so important. So, yeah. so, so important. Yeah. And when, I, you know, when I've got an email from like a client that I've really been wanting to get in front of, you know, I, I will be calling one of my cheer squad and just being like, oh my God, I got that email through from such and such. And I'll just be like, that is so awesome. Well done. What are you going to do to celebrate? Kind of thing. Yeah. And you know, it's not just about signing that client or it's not about getting that amount of money in the bank account. It's, it's actually, it's, it's celebrating all the wins, not just the, you know, not just the figures. Yeah. But I mean, it's knowing, it's knowing that each one of those wins is fulfilling the purpose that you're setting out to fulfill. Yeah. And every conversation for, yeah, my purpose with every conversation I have, it's, it's delivering that message and that's, you know, that's what I want to do. So hopefully it's getting the message out there. And oh, I love it. I love it. It's so powerful. <laughs> the work you're doing is so, so, so necessary. And I have like, it's so lacking. Like it, it will explode. Like seriously, once people, <laughs> once you get a bit of like momentum going up, it'll just like explode and you'll be like, ah, need more staff, need more people. <laughs> what do I, I do know, with all yeah. these people? Because no one knows how to like do that uncomfortable. No one knows no. how to do it, which is why Brene, Brene, Brene Brown is like as blown up as what she is because everyone's like, what she's saying makes sense, but I still don't know how to do it. Teach me how to do it. Mm, um, so yeah. yeah, what you're doing is absolutely amazing. So where can people listening to this, where can they find you, Nikki? What is your website? And do you have, are you on social media as well? Yeah. So I'm on, I'm got an Instagram account. Um, so that's my underscore muse underscore one. 
Um, but then also there is a website. So the website's actually got the personal blogs that I've been writing as well. Uh, there's a blog on there that's had over a hundred thousand hits, which is quite scary. Wow. Uh, <laughs> what's the title of that one? Um, it's called the day that I've been dreading and it was actually the one year anniversary, um, of Mike passing away. Yeah. And, uh, yes, that was earlier on this year. And I guess it was just something that was super raw and I just wrote it. Yeah. Didn't even proofread it and just, you know, stuck it online. Cause I just went, if I don't do this now, I'm probably not going to do it. Um, and even still, I, yeah, I read through it and still have tears streaming down my face so have some tissues ready if you read that one um so yeah that's just so the website's just www.mymuse.com.au um and then there's also uh, i believe there's a link on there as well to the rally that i am heading off and doing next week um called the mystery box rally and that's all to raise money for cancer council research the rallies have been going for 10 years now and they've raised over 22 million for cancer research um and i'll be driving a 27 year old two-wheel drive subaru uh across the australian outback with my co-driver <laughs> <laughs> oh um, that'll have some good photos to put on instagram well, that's for sure yeah well some of them are the photos from last year have actually been featured in some magazines and national geographic so oh wow cool. that's awesome yeah. that's so oh, cool got, pretty crazy car that's got a lot of stickers on it including my logo so yeah. if anyone's heading up from sydney to byron um give us a honk on the horn or uh, wave at us so uh, it's yeah it's quite funny driving around bondi at the moment with this car because people are just like what are you doing <laughs> so when i explain it they're like that's really cool <laughs> they're yeah. going well yeah but it's a conversation starter how cool is that well, I had a guy a couple of days ago that actually I went to go and fill up on fuel because I've been driving around Sydney and he was just like, I think what you're doing is amazing. Can I pay for your fuel? And I was like, I feel really bad because I'm actually just driving this car for my own purposes this week yeah. around. Yeah. I was just like, this is the website and you can donate to the cause. And he was like, oh my God. And he did. And, you know, it was, so we That's raised awesome. um, almost 7,000 as, as a team. Um, awesome. And it, yeah, it's a great experience. And, you know, it, again, a lot of people that are on the rally are people that have been touched in one way or another to cancer. That's why they're doing it. Um, mm. they're doing it in loving memory of somebody or um, it's been on their bucket list. And so it's just such a, it's such a beautiful thing to be exposed to all those kind of people um, in the middle of Australia, you know, with this amazing back it, backdrop. And, um, yeah, so, so I can't wait to do it. We, um, if the rally starts next Saturday and I've got so much stuff to get organized. So, <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with me today and for your time and for sharing your story. It's super, super inspirational and the work you're doing is so important. And I'm so glad that you were able to share it on my podcast so that hopefully more people will hear about it and, um, and look you up and look at, look at what you're providing and, employ you um not employ you but they can't employ you contract you Um, because yeah it's it's so yeah i was about to say that if anyone does you know even want to have an initial conversation um you know wants to see what's available for them or for their company or whatever um 
more than happy to have have a chat with them so please reach out to me yeah, um, i love it yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for being here. And thank you everyone for listening today. I really hope you've enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to share it on your socials and tag me in it. And I look forward to seeing you or yeah, not seeing you spending the next episode of the Ruby Slipper Women podcast with you. See you guys. Guys, just quickly before you go, if you could do me a massive favor and please share this on your socials or head to iTunes and give us five stars. It's the only way we're going to get the message out there and create the movement where more women stand up and believe in themselves. I can't do this on my own. I really, really need your help. If you could do that for me, I would really appreciate it. Our website is coming. It will be www.rubysleeperwomen.com. So keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, please head over to Instagram at Ruby Slipper Women and give us a follow. Look forward to seeing you for the next round and thank you so much for your support.